Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. I have two quotes today and you will understand why. One of them is, the way I see it, if you want the rainbow, you got to put up with the rain. And that's by Dolly Parton. Um, let's see, can I get her accent? If you want the rainbow, nope, I'm not going to try. <laughs> and the other is, your most unhappy customers are your greatest source of learning. And that's by Bill Gates. So hello, hola, bonjour, everyone around the world. <laughs> I'm excited to share some things that are talked about, struggled with a lot of posts and Facebook groups. And I know I've journaled about many of these things over the years, especially early in my career. So um, before I tell you what this is all about, I want to invite you to go to my website, lucydumascoaching.com, for two reasons. I have a couple gifts there, an ebook on marketing and a blueprint that is seven steps to attracting the ideal clients. So be sure you sign up for one or both of them. And also, I'm starting a mastermind group fairly soon, I would say August 2020, maybe September somewhere around there. And it's a mastermind group called Your Best Year Yet. And it is going to be a fantastic group support get together in addition to my teaching. So if you go to the website, you'll see a place to click on and set up a quick chat about it if you want to know more. And I will have a sign up there if you just say, yep, that sounds great. I'm in. That's it. So here's the show. <laughs> there are many things I have learned that everyone goes through in this industry in the first few years. Some people, it actually sinks their ship and many of us learn to overcome them. I'm not talking about the big things like how to get clients or how to sell or how to be a photographer that's creating images people love. I'm talking about situations that can be awkward, disappointing, things we could have avoided if we had only known to avoid them, things that can make people question whether they should just quit sometimes. A lot of them are emotional. Uh, some of them are just, as you get more experience, you start to understand how to handle these, how to get a thicker skin when you're criticized, things like that. So I'm going to just kind of popcorn some of the things that came to mind when I was thinking about doing this podcast. So one of the things that often happens initially when you make this big announcement that you're going to start a photography business is you're crazy. It's too competitive. And what business do you have starting a business? Everyone is a photographer now. You can't compete with that. And it can be very disheartening. When I first started 38 years ago, that is exactly what happened to me. And I just said, I know I can make this work. And I said that to myself over and I just got a little thicker skin, kind of like, thank you for sharing. 
<laughs> now be quiet. I didn't say that, but it is an adventure that scares people even thinking about it. But if you're making a decision, if your heart is calling you to do something, trust that and give them a hug and just, I guess, let it go like in Frozen. So that's one. Now, while we're on the topic of friends and family, friends and family are going to want discounts. Friends and family are going to want you to photograph their wedding for free or their engagement for free or something for free or cheap. And that is a rite of passage where you figure out how to set a policy that you can share with people that you're connected with that feels good for you and avoids having some very, okay, how can I put this? It's really easy to lose friends when you say, yes, you'll do their wedding. Because people, especially if you're newer, they are going to expect a $5,000 photographer when you're new. And I personally had a couple of disappointments where I did the weddings for free, gave them proofs and then a price list for additional photographs. And they got very upset and like I was trying to use them. And the issue there was I wasn't really clear. So the next friend that I photographed, because it was a gift for them, I said, here is what I'm going to do for you. And if you want anything else or family members want anything else, here are the prices. Now, doing somebody's wedding for free is giving them a gift worth thousands. If you need experience, I recommend you assist photographers for free or assist for, you know, just a stipend, whatever they want to pay you and get experience that way. Or if you just feel like you need to be involved in the photography of somebody's wedding, have them pay you enough that you can hire a second shooter that has photographed at least 25 weddings themselves as a second. So it's just really tricky. And my policy is it's either full price or free. So if they're close enough to me, like my nephew, when he had his first baby, I said, anytime you want photographs, anytime you're in town or I'm up where you are, I will have my professional equipment and I will do portraits for you and I will print anything you want. The only thing I require is that you will pay my cost. And at the time I added a little bit for labor because it was pre-digital and the efforts were even greater. Actually, I don't know, editing can take a long time, but that was my policy. That is my policy with family members. Okay. So there's a next thing I'm going to move on to, and maybe I'll remember something more about, about the friends and family saga. But people that pay the least are the most picky. So if you decide to do something to promote your business, like a mini session or volume at a preschool or um, any number of things where you're not charging very much or shoot and burn, uh, where they're not paying very much and they're getting a lot from you for their money. I don't know why, but I have seen this over and over for the last 38 years, that the more someone invests, the more they trust you and the less they complain. Because everybody 
that is being photographed wants to look beautiful, wants to look thin and potentially young unless they're babies. They already look like, <laughs> already look young. And if if they're paying well, they assume that you are professional. No matter how experienced you are, if they're not paying you very much and and they don't know you well and understand that this is something you're doing as a gift. And even then um, they see you in a different light. It is just one of those laws of the universe that doesn't get talked about. And it can be absolutely devastating at first dealing with that kind of criticism. When I started my business, I worked for a couple of studios doing their children's photography programs. Uh, they had people selling gift certificates for like $29 for a session in an 8 by 10 and they also did schools. And I can't tell you how many times perfectly wonderful photographs were criticized or the expectation of somebody photographed at a Little League event where they were doing the, not the candids, but they were doing quick photographs that somebody didn't look great or they weren't smiling right or things that we know when we're doing volume, we, we can't do the kind of custom work that we do if we're being paid well and we have lots of time on our hands. So the, the solutions are, it goes with the territory and just accepting it and not losing sleep about it. And either planning, if you wanna be a volume photographer, there's nothing wrong with that, but know that that's part of the bargain. And the other solution, if you don't, is to get yourself priced as professionally and profitably as you can quickly and also make sure that your branding is clear, your, your materials, your consultations, everything is handled, you know, how you do the whole sales process, which um, if you go to my website, you, well, no, it's not on there now, but selling is my superpower and I do have a six month course that you can purchase. Um, you could ask me about at some point, that's specifically on sales. So setting up everything right, so you're the trusted advisor and they're paying you well, that saves a lot of tears. And I've, I've shed them. So, you know, it's not just you, <laughs> if you're sensitive. We're artists, of course we're sensitive. Um, then of course we're going to hear, no matter what our price is, we're going to hear that we're too expensive. And there's a point at which I hope you will, if you're not here yet, you will hear that and it will make you smile because you'll realize that you don't have to bother photographing someone who thinks you're too expensive. What I mean by that is when I have a consultation and a phone call, I'm interviewing them too. They just don't know it. I and pre-qualifying my leads. So if someone says I'm too expensive, either I haven't fully communicated why what I do is valuable, and there's a lot of steps to that, or they really are not people that will value what we do no matter what. So I don't want to work for them. I don't want to, I want to make sure that I've done my part to help them understand the value uh, some of that is by making a connection, by telling stories, 
by uh, showing them examples of finished art and so forth. But it's, um, it's actually can be a really good thing. If I get 10 inquiries and I book three or four of them, I'm super happy. If I do a volume something or if my SEO brings in a lot, lot, lot of people, there are going to be a lot of people that are not ideal clients. I mean, I want them to say I'm a little too expensive because I, for my niche, for my business uh, profile, I want them to um, be investing well, not just money-wise, but but energy and time and uh, connection with me. Um, and that brings me to something that many people encounter where they're uncomfortable. Maybe you're an introverted personality, or maybe you just don't know what to say, but the challenge of wanting to just do business without having to pick up the phone and talk to people, without having to get out in the world and meet people to to grow the business, wanting to sell online, either because of discomfort, hoping that you can either do what I call post and pray if you're at a point where you're selling products, which is to find a gallery and put your photos online and hope they order something, (laughs) or to do the shoot and share model where you take the portraits and you give them to them and you don't have to number one risk hearing criticism and at the same time you don't have to oh my gosh do sales but as you're growing your business finding the way around those discomforts of that one-on-one relationship with your clients and selling one-on-one right now a lot of us need to do it on um online. I mean, if you absolutely can't meet with a client, I highly recommend you set appointments because galleries, they're just all number of problems. And what I've heard over the years with so many people that use them is they don't, they don't order, they don't download. Can you please uh, put it up again so I can um, see them? Uh, So that's a whole other, you know, in-person sales versus galleries conversation. So this happens to everybody is those initial fears and the feeling that maybe we can set our businesses up in a way that we don't have to face them, that we can just sit for some people, sit at our computer, uh, post things online, email and text and not have to get on the telephone. And again, flipping back to uh, when we're new, we get less um, respect and more criticism, especially we have more problems if we're not developing that relationship where they know, like, and trust us and surrender to our leadership. Okay, next one. And for some, and I know some of my coaching clients are uh, in the military or They are spouses of military and it's a tight knit group. And there are a lot of photographers who are trying to do something of their own. You know, their spouse has their career and they want a career of their own. And yet there's a feeling that because they're 
working with other military families. They know what everybody earns. So they're afraid to be too expensive and be criticized by the community. That is overcome, first of all, by understanding your value and not taking things personally. This is, this is huge. And uh, this book um, is helpful in so many ways. It's called the Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And one of the agreements is don't take anything personally. So um, anyway, that's just part of the journey is to learn how to be confident and know you're worth it. Know what you're building and know why. And uh, that makes criticism less um, painful and easier to not have a quick comeback or an argument, but take a stand in a way that, that people who, um, if they say that, and you have a really lovely, confident answer, uh, it, it takes care of a lot of that. So, um, but anyway, it's normal. You're going to get that. That's part of what this conversation that I'm having with you right now, with you listening, <laughs> is I don't have all the answers to this, but I want you to know these are normal rites of passage. These are things that happen to all of us. So weddings, there are about 50 things that you can do wrong and learn from when you're photographing weddings. And I've either made quite a few of them or almost made them and then learned like, oh, whoa, you know, because weddings, you have no grace for uh, some of the problems happening. So <laughs> I recommend that you spend some time talking to other photographers and, who specialize in weddings and maybe create lists together and solutions of some of the challenges. Um, I'm just going to mention a few of them that I've heard or I've done. One is I hear this over and over and today on a Facebook group, somebody said, I couldn't find some photographs. And turns out she had no backup plan. I do have a podcast episode with Andrew Darlow where he talks about backup, but at the least you want something in the cloud and something on an exterior hard drive. And then if you're working on your computer with active files, you want that as well uh, to have it on your computer the only the active ones. So that is a mistake people make all the time. And also I recommend you don't ever, ever, ever delete because you never know what might happen in the future and you will get to be the hero. Um, and hard drives are small. I have a garage full of negatives. If you see me, you see me pointing with my thumb <laughs> to my garage and it takes up a lot of space, you know, 30 or at least 25 years before I went digital. So hard drives are so small. And uh, right now you can get for a couple hundred dollars, you can get a my book with, oh, I can't remember who, who makes it. It's called my, oh, Western Digital. You can get like 10 gigabytes. You can get like 10 gigabytes. That can be, you know, years worth of events and weddings potentially. So anyway, backup, backup, backup. Something that almost happened to me <laughs> is I did not double check with my bride before the wedding 
about where the wedding and the event was. I had down a certain church and a certain reception. We, we met before the wedding for the portraits. And as we were all leaving, I said, okay, so, and this was before um, GPS and Google Maps and so forth. I said, um, now, just a reminder, the Presbyterian Church is on the corner of date and fourth, is that right? And whoever it was said, no, we're going to La Jolla Presbyterian. So she had changed her wedding uh, location and didn't tell me. She thought she had. So thankfully, the photo gods or whoever takes care of <laughs> us at times like these, I managed to um, not make that mistake. But that's a huge one. Um, another one is not having enough backup equipment. You need two of everything or more and much more power, a lot more batteries than you think you're going to need. I did a wedding where two cameras, two flashes, and two lenses all broke. And luckily I had three of everything I needed so I could complete the wedding. And I didn't have time, this was back when we had sync cords for our camera, so the flash wasn't going off with, with the cameras and I couldn't figure out, was it the lens, the camera, the sync cord or the flash? But um, again, I was so grateful that I had all of that in my camera bags. Another thing that happens with events, it also happens with, with portraits and stuff, is not allowing enough time, especially gathering time. So if I'm doing a portrait and the light is going to be the best at, let's say, seven o'clock, I am going to at least have them meet me at 5.15 because there will be people that don't get there till six. It just happens. And so I allow plenty of time for people to get lost, for you know the baby needing changing or just those people that are chronically late. When I do weddings, I do a checklist and I allow an extra 15 minutes to a half hour for everything in terms of start time. Because for example, if the wedding is at three and you say, okay, we'll meet at two for uh, the bridal portraits and the groom and we're not doing wedding party, full wedding party and bride and groom till after. Well, at two o'clock, they're just finishing up, putting their lipstick. They don't have their flowers yet. One of the bridesmaid's hair is not done. And it's like, going to be 2.22 before you get started. And then it's chaos. And then they're not happy and you don't have a great day. So had time when you, when you were telling them uh, when to arrive. Uh, better safe than sorry. This is a little tip for handling difficult people at weddings. Um, there are some places in San Diego where photographers talk about not really wanting to work there because maybe the the wedding coordinator makes life kind of difficult. I, if you do enough, you know what I'm talking about. And I had a psychologist help me with this over dinner at a reception once after being at that church. So one thing I learned is 
when someone tells you what they want and what the rules and regulations are, say, I hear you, I get it, yes. So confirm, because if they're confident that you know what they're wanting, they're gonna be calmer around you. Number two, if it's somebody that's really difficult, avoid them as much as you can. So if you see them coming up the aisle, hide behind a pillar. I know that might sound crazy um, <laughs> when you think about it, but um, sometimes people are stressed and they're looking for somebody to, to kind of pour their anxiety out on in a way that's not fun at all. Number three, if somebody's really like the little general, um, they're usually kind of funny if you think about it. And also number four is they're maybe stressed or so have compassion. So yeah, if anybody wants to hear more on that, I'd be happy to share. But um, anywho, so weddings, 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 there's just so many things that experience teaches you. And so rely on the experience of others as well to um, share with you the do's and don'ts that they've learned over the years. Well, I had a little break and I'm back. I know you didn't know that. <laughs> so I think I'm done with uh, the concept of weddings. Oh my gosh, the other is to know your equipment. And one of the worst things that happened in my career is there was this little lever on uh, my twin lens reflex. This was way early in my career that if it got moved, the flash and the camera did not sync up. And wouldn't you know, it was a friend. I was out of town. And so all that traveling probably moved it. And I didn't even know about it. Uh, the old timers that I used to have as mentors later were like, oh yeah, everybody knows that. Well, I didn't know that. So none of the flash photography came out. And um, yeah, there's alarms going off. So, you know, it was upsetting. And it it was so upsetting for her, for me, for our relationship. So know your equipment. And I would have taken, if I had had my two cameras ready to go and rotated, something would have come up. So um, that's one way I avoid disaster is by using two cameras and kind of not duplicating everything, but having enough on the backup that if something were to go wrong, ugh, worst, worst fear ever. Well, not counting, you know, the COVID-19 and all that, <laughs> but um, that, that we've got something on the, the backup camera. So one of the things that is so hard about being self-employed is that whatever is our biggest challenges, they're going to show up. Now, the good news is our strengths also show up. But if you like for me, fear of being broke is something from childhood. So year after year, especially early in my career, uh, where it was January and I had almost nothing on the books, I would think, this is it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to sell shoes or be a bag lady this year. And then sure enough, evidence would show up, clients would show up, my own motivation to make sure <laughs> I didn't. Um, end up broke, kicked in, and I would have a great year. So over time, I learned to manage those voices in my head 
that uh, wanted to think this was the end of the world. Um, so for me, that was a big part of my growth. So whatever that might be for you, it's this beautiful opportunity to work through these. Now, a lot of people, it's fear of rejection. And as I said a little earlier, learning how to be happy when someone says no, or at least accept it, that either they're not right for me or somehow I did not this time communicate well. And uh, the book I mentioned, The Four Agreements, one of the agreements is always do your best. And, but it says our best will change from time to time. So some days we're just not going to be perfect, but if we've done the best we can under the circumstances we're in, then it's good to be easy on ourselves. Okay, one of the things that I also see over and over is clients getting upset because they don't get their work on time. The way I handle this is I under promise and then I over deliver. So because of my workflow, and some people might be shocked at this, but I tell my clients that the portraits are gonna be eight to 12 weeks for the delivery and albums can take a little longer if I'm using a company that I love like Leather Craftsman where it's a very custom product and they are a busy service. So it just takes time. They're shipping time to New York from California and then back, you know, back and forth. And I also do a lot of color testing and I get 16 by 20 test prints after I retouch something that's going to be a wall portrait. So when I give them that expectation and then when I come in ahead of schedule, then I'm the hero. And it also gives me time to make sure the order is completely complete because one missing eight by 10 from an order can change their whole opinion of how professional we are. And it also is, is a hassle. And there's always mistakes. There's always gonna be something missing, whether it's our fault or their fault, not every order, but the potential is there. So I just give oodles and oodles of time and if they're like, oh, why so long? I just say, good things take time. I'm very particular and I will not deliver anything I don't feel really good about. Um, and what I always say is, as they're um, leaving and I'm giving that information is, you know, the, there's this law and this is a law. It's written somewhere. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. <laughs> but you can write this down. The customers that need it right away, that you try to get it ahead of time and faster than normal, those are the ones where everything's going to go wrong. Not every time, but often. So I tell people I do not promise because I'm not the one doing the printing. I'm not the one shipping. So I think you get my point. I think I've just kind of double the time that it normally takes. Uh, and also... I like to spend the time making sure the quality is there in my retouching and such. So yeah, avoid that by allowing plenty of time. Another thing that I see that as people have been in business a little while, they start to realize is if they're using too many labs and other printing and framing services, and like, let's do acrylic and wood and metal and canvas and G clay and fine art paper and all of those. And let's find the 
the cheapest one or the one that specializes in that. A, it complicates things. B, it's hard for clients to decide. And C, it's really hard to develop a relationship with your printer or your framer if you're not sending them most of your work. And having a relationship with my printer, it's like my partner. And I could not uh, have a successful business without the support of a lab that knows what I love, that if I've made a mistake, they're not going to make the prints. They're going to call me up and say, hey, Lucy, did you mean for that baby to have two heads? <laughs> Let's say I'm doing head swaps. Um, so, and I keep it really simple. So if you pick out just a few things you like and find a lab that does those beautifully, maybe there's a specialty like um, I do like acrylic press for acrylics. I think uh, photo labs, they're not geared to do the quality control and make sure there's not uh, dust specks and things as strongly. But that's the only company that I would use separately. And definitely in this part of that mistake is price yourself in a way that if something is an extra five or $10, it isn't going to affect you much at all. So um, some of the better labs are a little more expensive, but they're not like double. Um, they may be 15 or 10% higher than some of the other labs. But uh, one of my mentors says, don't step over dollars to pick up pennies. In everything that you can, keep it simple, simple, simple. Um, one of the things that I had happened and thankfully in my whole career this has happened like hardly at all but when the big recession hit in 08 and 09 right before I was going to deliver an order the client emailed and said we want a full refund and I did not have any paperwork that said this is a custom product and once you place an order uh, and make the payment or the deposit you know, you are obligated to pay the balance when it's due. And they did a chargeback with a credit card company. And because there was the initial session fee and minimum purchase, and then there was the, the order, it was two chargebacks. And I lost so much sleep writing up the perfect letter about, I don't know, I just, I wasted so much energy being upset and trying to, to write it perfectly. And like two in the morning, I'd get up and I'd rewrite something. And the credit card company said, if you had any of this in writing, even if it's not a legal fancy contract, but it's in your policies and you have their signature that they understand it, you could have just send, sent us that and circled it and uh, you would have won. Now I did win, but not without a lot of aggravation. Another thing that I learned, okay, if you take away only this, because again, this was a situation that I struggled with. Luckily, I had a counselor at the time that helped me work through this, but I did a wedding. It was a beautiful day. We had a great relationship. When I delivered the proofs, they absolutely loved them. And then when we got together, they trashed them and said they were very disappointed. And what I've learned is that is a tactic that some people use in order to get more from you 
than they can afford. And what my mentor helped me see is they loved the pictures and they really financially were struggling to find the money to purchase everything they wanted. So they used this uh, common, I've come to learn, common uh, strategy to get me to doubt what I did and bonus them a bunch of more photographs. Uh, luckily, she helped me create this uh, mantra, and I'm bequeathing it to you. I suggest you write this down because it is going to serve you so many times over the course of your career. These are the prices when you booked me, and these are still the prices. And um, so in there's many situations where people will, will try to negotiate. Now, I will, um, I will do some bonusing for people to close a sale. That's a whole other conversation. But when people are upset or they're trying to strong arm you into giving a discount or they're pretending like they're not happy so they want more, um, which is so funny because why would you want more of something that you don't like? So we know that that strategy is because they love our work. So um, you are welcome for that because <laughs> that one's a huge one is understanding that now I grew up, if you've listened to this a lot, you know, my daddy was a preacher and he raised me to see the best in people and also to be honest. And I didn't realize that there are people who are not honest, people who find ways to, um, people that have strategies to try to get more from someone than um, they're contracted. And so may not come as a surprise to you, but that was something that helped me grow that particular situation I'm talking about of understanding that um, kind of growing up to the fact that, that how people negotiate uh, might be different than mine. So that's all I can think of for now. There's about a hundred more um, probably of those rites of passage, but uh just remember, don't take things personally and know your worth, communicate your worth, build relationships with clients, get to the point where you have the most nice relationship with them, and then things will go super, super smoothly. And also something I have been over the years, and I'm greatly improved in this, is I've been very defensive if someone criticizes me or doesn't like something. And what I've learned is to listen more, to repeat back what they've said, to sincerely, not just like, you know, oh, I know how you, I understand how you feel, but to sincerely step in their shoes and say, I, I hear you, I understand how you feel. And sometimes just apologize and then explain later. So that's an area that being self-employed has helped me grow as a person is to, to be willing to say, I'm sorry. Um, that being said, don't apologize as a default, as if you've done something wrong in business. Yeah. Anyway, so I hope this has had some, some bells go off in your head and, and that when something happens that is comfortable or upsetting or surprising 
or you're like, oh, I should have done better with that. Just know that this is, this is part of the journey when you've decided to be an entrepreneur, especially as an artist who has sensitive feelings. There's just things that are very common to uh, others in this industry. And, and as you uh, grow through the ups and downs, uh, you'll look back on some things and be like, oh my gosh, that life lesson was so important to me, even though it was horrible at the time and I wanted to quit and sell my cameras. Don't do that. <laughs> Keep on going. Um, go to lucydumascoaching.com. If the, the info on the group class is not up there yet because it's still in development and I realize this is going to be published soon, um, just send me an email and say, I'd like more information, please, on the group program, or make sure that you've downloaded those free gifts so that then you'll get emails with more information about the group. Because these times we're in, we get those growth opportunities and getting together with a group of people and strategizing how we can stay super profitable and positive during you know, these days. Um, that kind of support is invaluable. So that is all for now. And I wish you a wonderful week and you're in for a treat with next week's guest as well. I've been uh, interviewing some of my favorite people that I've known for years. So um, stay tuned and thanks, thanks, thanks for sharing with people. It is a gift to them. It's a gift to me. It's, the gift, it's a gift to my guests for more people to have the opportunity to uh, learn and grow. So thanks again, sending you a great big hug. Bye now. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.